1: Uh, it's it's a wonderful wonderful teacher we have uh, today. Uh, really, it's kind of like honorary mishpachah. Listen, we don't have. It's not every day that we'll have a, a pastor come in and speak to us. A lot of a lot of pastors uh, are starting to get it more so than you know when my my parents started Beth Hillel many years ago. But still, uh, a lot of them are kind of like, okay, there's something to the roots of the faith. We're starting to get that. There's something to Israel, but eh, it's nice. Okay, yes, we support it, but we don't know anything about it. Okay, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pastors. But hey, listen, that's progress. I'll take it. Uh, but then there are a few pastors who just really get it. Uh, and Pastor Matt Johnston is one of those pastors who, who really, really gets it and uh, and I tell you what, if you have been coming to Beth for a long time, you've seen him and and his wife uh, uh, on Friday nights sometimes over the years, uh, as we as they've come just to worship with us, as he would uh, speak on Sundays or be involved in his church on Sundays and it come for a, just a little extra top and off. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to top off. You know, Shabbat is—you know—have the law. You get the wine cup filled, and then it overflows, right? That's what Shabbat does. He just needs a little, sometimes just a little overflow, and uh, and so it was always a blessing anytime we would see Pastor Matt here. But uh, the Lord has been doing great things to him. He's, uh, I believe, still the discipleship pastor at the at North Metro Church, which is a wonderful congregation uh, here in Atlanta Metro. And he is just doing great and wonderful things at that uh, great church. Uh, And so we are very, very blessed to have him and his wife with us here today. And so I'd like to go ahead and bring him on up and give him a big gigantor Beth Hillel welcome. He's my good friend also, somebody that I love catching lunch with and just uh, learning from Pastor Matt Johnston, everybody. Yes.
2: Well, let me just uh, first and foremost say, was that really loud, by the way? I don't know. I speak really loudly. So let me first and foremost actually apologize for the volume of my voice for most of the sermon. It's always an honor to be here. It's always an honor to to attend. It's always an honor to participate online when I can. It's always an honor uh, to interact in any way, shape, or form with Rabbi Kevin. He's a great man, one of the biggest influences on my life and a mentor, and so someone I'm honored to know. So I'm always honored to be here with you guys. Also, I just gotta give a quick shout out to the band. Um, you guys do music differently here. Like, you guys do music, and I'm into it. I'm super into it. The, uh, the Kohan Sh- uh, Shema song, I was dancing, okay? I was trying not to embarrass my wife or Rabbi Kevin, but I mean, y- y'all do y- y'all do it different and do it right here. So I just gotta say that first and foremost. Now, um, the word I have for you guys today, I'm using the handheld mic because I'm too afraid to use the ear one because I move a lot and so I don't want to fling it on the front row. So I'm going to use the handheld. But I hope to bring to you today, tonight, an encouraging word and a strengthening word. Uh, Rabbi Shaul in the New Testament, when he's writing to the various churches that he's not always indirectly involved with, he always writes to encourage and to, uh, and to strengthen and to build up. And so as I get the honor to be here, that's kind of what I want to do, you know, this isn't the the, the primary church I serve, but I want to come here, just like Rabbi while I'm sending you a message tonight of encouragement and, and strengthening, and here's uh, here's what I want you guys to kind of focus in on, all right, here's what I want you guys to focus in on, the central topic tonight, kind of the centerpiece, kind of the gravitational center of the message tonight and the text tonight is about names, okay, names. Who here in this room, or if you're on, you know, watching online, you can raise your hand, I won't see it, but um, who here has a name that people mess up all the time, or their entire life, honestly? Raise a high, we're all in this together, yeah, okay, so names are, are, are going to be central, and one particular name is going to be central today, but um, my name is Matt Johnston, but my actual given name, my legal name is Charles Johnston. Yeah, I don't know why you made that sound. It's not cool, okay? And I know that. (laughs) I know that. I appreciate that, but it's not cool. And so it's Charles Johnston. Well, first day of school, every year of school, my entire life, they're like, Charles Johnson? And I I had to like, you know, even as a little kid, I'm like, "Uh, my name is Matt Johnston. Like, okay, Matt Johnson? I'm like, no, actually, it's Johnston you know what, I'm too exhausted, too many years, I just have given up, you know, it's like they can't get the Charles, they can't get the Johnston, they mess it messes up on both counts, so I just learned to just like give up, forget it, and so that's kind of something I've had my whole life, and neither of those names are hard to pronounce, but it's just apparently the T in Johnston seems hidden, so I want us to think about names, and if especially if you've had a name that's hard to, uh, that you've had a hard time getting people to, to remember, I want you to think about that tonight. And as we talk and as we teach, we're going to cover a lot of like, uh, like throwback stuff from the Tanakh. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff moving forward in the de Shah. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But at the, the center of the sermon, at the center of the text today, it's all about a name. And that name is the name of Yeshua. And so... That's going to be our focus. We're actually going to be, if you have your uh, if you have your text with you, you can open to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 11 through 22. 11 through 22. And let me just give you some context. I'm really, 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 really big on context when you're opening up to any text. So Acts is a continuation of Luke. Uh, people even say it's kind of a hyphenation. Luke, Acts, it's all kind of one word. It's like first uh, one work. It's like a volume one, volume two type of deal. And one of the things I need you to know is that there's this pattern set in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Yeshua tells his Dean tells his disciples, You're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, okay, home base in Jerusalem, then in Judea, kind of, you know, our, our, our countryside, you know, our, our, our part of par- par- And then you're going to go out to Samaria, too. No, I know, I know, I know. You're going to go out to Samaria, too. Uh, but if, well, if, you, well, if you think that's outlandish, wait for this next part, you're going to go out to the ends of the earth. I didn't stutter, the ends of the earth. And so this provides the pattern and the movement for the entire book of Acts in the Ritadishah. You're going to see the Tamadim, the followers of the disciples of Jesus, in Jerusalem. They're going to move out because of persecution into Judea and then move out further because of persecution into Samaria. And eventually we're going to see Rabbi Shaul travel to literally like the edge of the known world. So that's kind of the pattern. Keep that just kind of in mind in the background. That's the context of the Book of Acts. It's the way of Yeshua going out from Jerusalem spreading like wildfire. And the inciting event for this is Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit rains down in this place and people from different from every tribe, tongue, and nation who are in the temple, they begin to like actually understand what people are saying it's like a reverse tower of babel type effect and this is kind of what starts pff, this shock wave that will go out now i said they were meeting in the temple because they weren't meeting in churches because that wasn't a thing yet and uh one of the things I'm um, just eternally grateful For and Bethelal has a lot to do with this is we have to remember you guys know better than the congregations I teach to primarily is that no, this wasn't a Christian movement starting out. This was a Jewish movement following Yeshua, and that's how it started So it started in the temple and went out from there and our text is actually going to be set in the temple and and we actually come to find out That early on in the book of Acts that the followers of Yeshua are meeting daily in the temple and they're meeting each other's needs, and they're teaching the scriptures. Well, here's something else that you guys are very aware of, but not every c- congregation is, is, uh, is as pronouncedly aware of. But the scriptures was not the Bible as we know it today. It was, it was the Tanakh. It was the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. And so they would meet every day, and they would go over these texts. And that's going to factor in later, because they're going to look back. Uh, Peter's going to look back on these texts. So that's kind of the, that's what I need you to know about the passage. That's the context of the book of Acts. we got the Pentecost event. Things are going out. We have this road map set up, and they're meeting daily in the temple. And that's where our text is going to pick up. And there's two patterns in the book of Acts as we get into our narrative today. You're going to see that in the, the book of Acts, there's an event that happens. Something incredible happens that makes you like, double take at the text. It's usually something notable. And then there's an explanation, a subsequent explanation of that event, explaining why that happened, what's the significance of that. Then there's this other pattern, very similar, very similar, where you'll see an act or an action. Someone does something like today. Peter's going to do something. Spoilers. And then on the other side of that action, you see a sermon. You read a sermon that unpacks it and adds meaning and value and purpose to what happened. So, what we find out, I'm gonna read um the be- I'm just gonna kind of summarize the beginning of chapter three for you, but this is really cool, really, really, really cool narrative. You find out at the that at the ninth hour of the day, this will be significant, I'll explain why later. At the ninth hour of the day, Peter and John are gonna go to the temple. And as you guys know, the temple had different you know, gateways, and it had different levels, you had to walk past, and there was this guy who has not walked in 40 years, 40 years, and he's outside, kind of blocking the entrance of the temple, and and he's asking for money, because this dude can't work, and this is probably his sustenance, and how he gets by, and so he's like, you know, tuppins, tuppens, as they walk by, and what was interesting is, it was kind of this awkward situation, where they had to, like, they couldn't, like, go around him, So they just kind of had to be like, and they had to like walk right by, or like they had to literally like scoot by him, like when you have to leave a movie theater and there's like no awkward way, we're like, yep, no, this is embarrassing, nope, that's worse, okay, that, nope, like there's no awkward way to do it, so they had to scoot by (laughs) the guy, and and like people would judge this dude, and people would be like, this dude's been asking for money forever, he's probably faking it, whatever, and they would go by, well, This dude calls out to Peter and John. Long story short, Peter says, now I hear you, now I hear you. Be healed in the name of Yeshua. Hamashiach, be healed. Dude gets up and runs. And can you imagine the people from earlier that like walked by him or like he's faking it? They start to leave the the temple and old dude comes by like, whee, running. And they're probably like, I told you he was faking it. You know, I told you. I told you, okay, we'll talk about it in the car. No. But, um, so there's this incredible event, right? And we might think that's the end of the story. That's the beginning. Because again, now we have an event. Let's await the explanation. We had an act or an action. Now let's wait for the sermon from Peter or a deceiver named Kepha. Now, in this, Peter stands before this ginormous audience of people. 5,000 people to be specific, okay? I need you to remember that. So so 5,000 people. Say that after me. 5,000 people. Okay. That might seem inconsequential or insignificant. It it factors in. And they're at Solomon's Colonnade. We read about this in verse 11. And then he's going to stand up and let's look at a... (laughs) I'm so sorry. I love this so much. Uh, Let's look at what Peter says. Let's see what k says. Um... While well, he was clinging to Peter and John, the guy who couldn't walk for a while, all the people came together running towards them in the place called Solomon's Portico. This is part of the temple. But when Peter saw, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? What, 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 what do you stare at? What are you staring at? As by our own power, our own power, or our own godliness, we made this man walk? No, 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 no. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Yeshua, the one who you handed over and disowned before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer granted to you. You killed the author of life, the one who God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of it. Let me unpack this for you. So <laughs> So first of all, let me give you a little like context of like the time of day. This is really, 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 really interesting. So it's the ninth hour of the day, and it's one of the hours of prayer. So it's probably about 3 p.m. in first century measurement of time. It's about 3 PM. And this is the second time of prayer, the second time of day where people would go to the temple, and they're doing this this prayer called the Mincha. And a lot of scholars believe that the Mincha was this time of prayer that was supposed to kind of substitute somewhat for the old atonement sacrifices in the first temple, okay? This will all come back around. So they're in the temple at this time of day. They're in this, like, prayer time, this Mincha. And uh, normally this is a time where you would sacrifice, make an atonement sacrifice that's going to come back around. And at this time, they would have just recited the Amidah which we said at the very beginning of service. And who do you talk about in that? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So what I love about this is Peter, Kepha, stands up and goes, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so you know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you guys were just talking about, you guys just did that liturgy. Yeah, let's talk about Let's talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And let's talk about his servant Yeshua, as, as he puts it there. Let's, let's talk about Yeshua in light of him. So there's this very contextual thing that happens. But then, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite, 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 favorite part. Peter <laughs> is outnumbered. He's with one other person, John. How many people is he talking to? Five thousand. It's five thousand to two, and he starts popping off at the mouth. He starts trash talking. He's like, "That you killed. That's right, you don't look away. Look at me. You are like, oh, don't act like you weren't there. Yelling crucify me. No, don't hide behind him. I see you. Like he's calling. He's calling people out." And he's outnumbered, so it's like, <laughs> I can't imagine being John and being like, dude, read the room, okay? Read the room. Not a way to make friends and influence people. Yikes. And this was still pretty freshy fresh, too, because uh, Yeshua had been crucified only about 50 days before this. So there's kind of this awkwardness. So after after Peter puts people on blast, puts people on notice, hey! It's like, don't leave. I'm talking to you. Get back here. You know what you did. Peter goes in. Dude always puts his foot in his mouth. But he's got a good word after this. He's got this great, great, great word after this. And so I want you to feel the tension. And let me say as a quick disclaimer, in the unfortunate, one of the unfortunate things about the history of the church is people have used this as a mechanism, uh, this passage as a mechanism of blame for Jewish people. For the crucifixion, and um, last time I checked, Peter and John were Jewish, and uh, the earliest followers of Yeshua were all Jewish, so um, we probably just need to um, check that and uh, correct that. Anyway, so sorry, sidebar, just realize, Um, that's an important thing to realize. Now, let's read verse 16, it's going to bring up two interesting words that we're going to talk through. Verse 16, so after Peter just goes off, uh, he says this, now, through faith... In the name of Yeshua, his name has strengthened this man, this man that couldn't walk that now is, whom you see and know. Indeed, the faith through Yeshua has given this man perfect health in front of you all. And you'll see this this emphasized. But uh, we're going to talk about two words, you guys, just to participate, because I hate just talking the whole time. Uh, We're going to talk about faith. Say faith. We're going to talk about name. Say name. Remember, name is like the, the gravitational center of the, of the message, of the sermon. Everything is going to kind of revolve around that. And so let's talk about this word faith. Peter's talking about faith in Yeshua. Now, faith, we might have our own like uh, ideas around, or, like what it means. But in the Greek here, it's actually this word pistis. It's not the most lovely sounding word, but it's the word pistis. And pistis can kind of have three meanings. The first one is the one we always go with tacitly. The first meaning is believing something without seeing it. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Book of Hebrews, we'll, we'll, use, we'll use the word faith or pistis like this. The second one is more like the Hebrew word, emmonah, um, and it has to do with trust. So faith has to do with trust. So it, yes, there's this I mean, believing without seeing Yeshua, but I feel like that connotation doesn't apply here because they had all seen Yeshua. But then there's a trust. There's a trust that's kind of the second meaning, the second connotation. And there's a third one, and this one's a r- really, really, really big deal. There's this kind of allegiance and devotion meaning to pistis. In fact, because it's a Greek word, the Roman Empire would use this word to try to coerce people into uh, pistis and faithful following of Caesar. Soldiers would have to take a vow pledging their pistis, their allegiance, their faith, and their devotion to Caesar. So this was a very like first century Roman word. But Peter, Kepha, in the temple is saying, no, 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 it's actually faith it's trust in Yeshua. It is devotion and commitment to Yeshua that we're able to do any of this. And so that's going to be a big deal. But then he doesn't just talk about Yeshua, the person. He talks about that name of Yeshua. So we talked about faith. I to say faith. Now let's talk about name. Say name. Now name here, it's not like Peter does like a, Abracadabra, you know, or like the name the name of Yeshua. Woo! Like it's it's gonna be a magic word. Because in fact, you read later on in the book of Acts that this guy tries to like actually use the name of Yeshua to heal people and it, it backfires. Spoiler, it just kind of backfires them. But name here, what I love about it is actually it's more the Hebrew ideal and notion of name. The Hebrew word for name is Shems, as you guys know. And it's more about your collective identity, it's about the presence of the power and the person behind the name so yeah my name is like charles johnston which is not a cool name but i appreciate again you being generous but like I'm not just a name. I'm, like, more than a name. In a Hebrew mindset, like, I'm, that's more. When you use, like, Charles Johnston or Matt Johnston, like, there's more to it. It's about my, my personhood, my presence, and my power. I don't, I don't know if I have any. But anyway, what they're saying here with Yeshua is they're like, no, no, no. When they would talk about the name, the name, the name of Yeshua, they're talking about the person of Yeshua, the presence of Yeshua, and the power and the authority of Yeshua. That's how they're able to make this man who hasn't walked in 40 years walk. And so we have to think of faith, say faith, and name. So, because of their allegiance and their devotion to the person, the presence, and the power of Yeshua, they were able to do incredible things. And that's going to set a pattern for the entire book of Acts. Now, from here, now that Peter has centered the conversation, centered things on the name of Jesus and of Yeshua and putting faith in Yeshua. He does this throwback here. It's brilliant. And I got I to tell you before we go into this, a lot of times um, in my context that I do ministry, a lot of times people say, well, like, you know, we'll share the gospel. And that usually entails kind of like four things you tell people. There's kind of these like four, four like, kind of sales pitch things. They're effective and, and they're good. Sharing the gospel, if you will, in the earliest examples of followers of Yeshua were actually looking back at the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim, the the law and the prophets and the writings, and looking back and going, okay, I need to tell you guys about this. And in this audience, would have been well aware. Okay, we're going to talk about this, 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 this. Messiah, Yeshua, boom, fulfilled all of it. That's how we do it. And then there would be a turn and a call to repentance. But we'll get there. And so we're going to... From here, we have to skip around a little bit, but we're going to start in verse 17, and we're going to go to verse 18, and then we're going to unpack something here. So, this is what Peter says next. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. Again, he's calling them out. Like he's probably pointing to someone. Like I know you acted in ignorance. Don't try to deny. I know you were there, and just as your leaders did. But what God foretold through the mouth of all the <clears throat> prophets that his Messiah was to suffer. So he has fulfilled. And it is a common device to present this foretelling and fulfilling formula. Foretelling and fulfilling formula. Every example in the earliest examples of followers of Yeshua in the way of Yeshua, and so there's this this whole um, scheme presented. And so let's actually do a throwback real quick. Okay, we're going we're going to take a, a moment together to kind of journey back, and all the things we're going to talk about, Peter touches on at the end of the sermon. And so let's let's just do a quick look at and a zoom out of what was the expectation expectation of Messiah. What was the expectation of Mashiach? Because again, that's what they're going to point to, so that people will place their faith in the name of that Messiah, Yeshua. So let's talk about Genesis, Bereshit, the very first text in the Bible. We know that the Lord created all things good, all things tov, and he created humanity to work and keep the garden. He created humanity to bring more toveness, more goodness into the good world that the Lord created. But we all know the story, unfortunately. That instead of doing that and instead of co-ruling and co-reigning with the Lord in his good creation, humanity turns and rebels. Humanity turns and rebels. And because of that, they are exiled from the garden. But then you keep reading in the Torah and you find out that there's this guy named Avraham. We find out about Abraham, and we find find out that the Lord enters into this special covenant, this special relationship with Abraham. And and he says this, he says says to Abraham, hey, um, through you, all peoples of the earth are going to be blessed. And it's this really cool instance where Abraham is going to become kind of like the new humanity, kind of the new representative in this new and special relationship and covenant with the Lord. And so... We see that, and we, come, we see this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob pattern unfolding. We see the, the Joseph narratives at the end of Beresheet, at the end of Genesis, and things are going well. And then, unfortunately, just as humanity is exiled from the garden, um, the people of the descendants of Abraham are exiled into Egypt. And the Lord works his wonders and liberates them from Egypt and they come to this place called Sinai, and another covenant is made, just like the one with Avraham. And in this covenant, Avraham's descendants, who have now become this nation of Israel, are told that they're going to be a kingdom of priests, of Kohenim, and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they're going to bless all nations does that sound familiar we're going to bless all nations and, and kind of in a way be co-rulers and co-reigners with the lord bringing more of his good and more of his blessing upon the earth uh just like abraham just like as was told to abraham and his descendants and just as humanity was actually created to do and so you see this beautiful continuity as you go through the tanakh as you go through what many people in my context call the old testament you see this beautiful continuity and then you see, and this is going to come back, we mentioned it earlier, you see further turning, remember that word, turning away from the Lord. You see the people say, yeah, we're going to enter into this covenant with you, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, and then like three chapters later, there's like a golden calf, and the people turn from the Lord. But in His grace and His kindness and in His goodness, the Lord actually institutes the sacrificial system where people make a sacrifice on an altar, and this is called an atonement sacrifice. And this was so that the people would understand the weight of their sin. The fact that they're, just like humanity in the garden, bringing actual evil into the world, bringing sin into the world. And that's not what the Lord is about. And so the good and right punishment for that is for the Lord to wipe away and wash away evil. How, and so he could do that, and he's actually justified to do that with the people. But Moses intercedes for the people, Moshe intercedes for the people, and the Lord gives them this atonement, this sacrificial system. And I know a lot of people when they read about the sacrificial system, they're like, that seems weird. We don't do that today. You have to understand what it was about. And it was understanding the weight and the gravity of sin and evil. And But man, all the more the glory of the Lord's grace and kindness in allowing an animal to stand in a place, a sacrifice to stand in the place to absorb the punishment that is due to unholy and sinful people bringing more unholiness and sin into the world. And from here, The uh, Genesis and Exodus continue. And finally, the people, through a long story short, the children of Israel go on the precipice of the promised land, the Haaretz. And Moshe, who's not going to go in, he says, Hey, there's eventually going to be this prophet like me who's going to come along. There's going to be this prophet like me that's going to come along. And we see kind of this further continuity because Moshe begins to paint a picture of the Messiah. To paint a picture of this one who will come and actually bring to resolution all of God's good plans, purposes, and promises. From the garden to Abraham to the Sinai covenant with the people of Israel, there's going to be a person that this is going to center on. Well, the children of Israel get into the land, and there are a lot of narratives there, and eventually this guy comes to power and unites the people named King David. And the Lord, just like with Abraham, just like with Moshe and the children of Israel, enters into a covenant with David. And he tells David that there is actually there's going to be someone who sits on his throne forever and is going to co-rule and co-reign in justice and righteousness, just like humanity was supposed to do all along. And so there's this beautiful promise made. In 2 Samuel 7, you can read about this. But then unfortunately... You get to this, this spot where, like, you see, oh, things aren't going well. Things aren't going well. And there's kind of bad kings that aren't really following in line with David. And this movement arises called these... these called the prophets, and they speak to the people, and they speak to the kings, and they say, hey, turn from what you're doing because this is not part of the Lord's good plans, purposes, and promises going all the way back to the garden. This isn't part of it. This actually is is counterproductive. You guys are actually perpetrating more evil, more sin, more wickedness, and so you guys need to, and they use this word in Hebrew. I love this word. One of my favorite words in the Bible. You guys need to shuv, to turn, or return, Or repent. It has has several different meanings. You need to turn from what you're doing. As people tend to turn away from the Lord, he says you guys need to return to the Lord, turn from your ways, and faithfully follow the Lord's good plans, purposes, and promises. And get things back on track. But the kings don't listen, and the people have to go into exile. But during this time, the Lord speaks through his prophets. We read from the prophet uh, Isaiah Tonight, he speaks to the prophets, and the prophets begin to paint this picture of this one who will come from the line of David. Who is of the people of Israel, the descendants of Moshe, going all the way back to Avraham. And this person is going to come, and they are somehow going to be the presence of Adonai on the earth. In fact, the prophets talk about, um, the prophet Daniel talks about how it's going to be like a son of man, this divine one, uh, co reigning with the Lord on the earth, almost like the presence of the Lord embodied on the earth. There's, there's these other notions that, that that get painted of a king that would come, again, from the line of, of David. And this king would be like an anointed one, a Mashiach, a Messiah, to reinstate the right rule and reign of the Lord upon the earth. And this this person, too, this is weird. When you hear king, you're like, all right, warrior, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this person would also be a suffering servant. Hmm? And you read about this in Isaiah 53, who would actually stand in the place of, of sinful people and take the punishment that the just and right punishment for sin for people that's so the suffering servant so all of this kind of coalesces in this expectation of mashiach this expectation of messiah and then there's 400 years between the tanakh between what, in my context, they call the Old Testament, and the de Shah and people are waiting for this Mashiach, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and then all of a sudden, as soon as the Gospels open up, as soon as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John open up, Boom! Yeshua bursts on the scene, and none of them are subtle and none of them are shy about clearly portraying and clearly painting Yeshua as ha-Mashiach, as the Messiah, as a fulfillment of all God's good plans, purposes, and promises, reinstating the Lord's right rule and reign upon the earth. And what's so beautiful is immediately after this, the movement of Yeshua starts, and guys like Peter get to stand up in front of a congregation of people and say, Yeshua is Hamashiach. And what's so brilliant about this passage, this sermon that he gives, is he gets this beautiful momentum going where he goes, okay, remember, remember the garden, remember Abraham, remember Moshe, right, 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 remember David, right, 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 remember the prophets, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he gets everyone head nodding, yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes, that's Yeshua. Put your faith in the name of Yeshua. And the people would have been blown away by this. And so at this point, Peter sees the whites of their eyes. He sees the jaws drop in this situation. And he makes his next move, kind of bringing us towards the end here. He makes his next move. And look what he says in verse 19. He says, repent, therefore, and return so your sins may be blotted out, so times of relief might come from the presence of Adonai, and he might send Yeshua the Messiah appointed for you. He calls them to repent, therefore, and return. Well, after they understand all that's transpired, Peter makes the same call that the prophets made back in the Tanakh, and he says, shuv. He says return. In fact, the second use of the word, if you were translating it or transliterating it into Hebrew, it would actually be shuv. He says turn. All of you I'm talking to, all 5,000 of you, turn. You guys have turned away from the Lord. You have turned away from Yeshua. Turn, shuv, to Yeshua and put your faith in the name of Yeshua. And this was a strong call. And in fact, the word repent is used twice. In verse 19, you'll see it. It's repent and return. This is called the double imperative in Greek. So it's like really strong. So um, (laughs) it's kind of like saying if someone goes, hey, could you stop that? It's kind of weak, right? But if they're like, stop, don't move. You'd be like, what, what, what? What am I going to step in? What What am I doing? What am I doing? So it's kind of the strong imperative call. And what's brilliant about this too is With kind of the connotations of the word, there's a turning both of mind, a changing of mind, metanoia is the word in Greek, and a changing of constitution, a changing of lifestyle, and trajectory of one's life. And so we see that here, and and, and beautifully, he kind of ties a bow on it before he points forward. He ties a bow on this, and he says, repent, that your sins may be blotted out. And this is atonement language through and through. There's actually kind of this, this meaning of like blotted out could could indicate or has this word picture of kind of a debt, like a long receipt. <laughs> kind of looks like like my bills at like Christmas time. And you're like, oh boy, okay, 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 okay. Lots of money. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And it's like blotted out just means like, you're like, you're erasing <laughs> debts. And so Peter's saying if you guys shoe return in your heart and your mind and your full constitution to Yeshua, you will be forgiven and your sins will be blotted out as if they didn't happen and in fact again this word blotted out gets at this whole atonement idea back in exodus this whole system was put in place so that people might understand the weight and severity of sin but all the more the lord's grace and allowing something to stand in their place these people understood atonement from their scriptures and because the time of day they're praying was when they would normally make an atonement sacrifice So there's kind of this timeliness to what Peter's saying. because like, oh, yeah, we'd normally be doing that right about now. And so they're saying, hey, no, Yeshua is the ultimate atonement sacrifice, so your sins may be blotted out and forgiven. All you got to do is shuv, turn, return. And then this is how he hangs it up. He points forward. Verse 21, heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things that God spoke about long ago through the mouth of his prophets what's brilliant about this is, is Peter has, and we'll talk about this in a second, he has gone all the way back and taken people, and he will continue to do so in, in the sermon, taking people through the Old Testament, culminating in Yeshua. And he, there's this call to repentance as he, as he looks at the people, a call to Shuv, and then he talks about the restoration of all things moving forward. And he, in this situation, he's talking about this messianic age when Yeshua will return and make wrong things right and make uneven places even and bring his justice and his goodness and his righteousness. And he talks about this day that is written about extensively in in the Brihadaranyaka. And in fact, if you like fast forward to the end of the Brihadaranyaka, you'll see in revelation there's this image where it talks about actually how heaven comes down. The new heavens and the new earth come down. The new Jerusalem comes down. It's actually a downward movement if you read it. And there's this incredible restoration of all things. And in fact, you read about in the new Jerusalem, in the middle of the city, there's a garden. How did things start out in Bereshit in Genesis? And where? Where did everything start out? in a garden. And there's this beautiful restoration that that all the scripture points to that will be centered in the return of Yeshua in this new heavens and the new earth. And here's what's so beautiful about this whole like theme of blessing all peoples and co-ruling and co-reigning with the Lord. It says in Revelation that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and we will reign with him forever. And this is why and this is why Yeshua when he was teaching his disciples, he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because one day that will be, it is an inevitable reality. And we live in light of that. And so Peter brilliantly points forward. And so that's, that's what I want to end with today, this framework. That's what, this is what strikes me about this passage. There's an incredible and brilliant framework here where Peter, Kepha, looks back at all the plans, purposes, and promises of the Lord, he looks at the congregation, the people listening, and then he looks forward. He looks back, he looks at, and he looks forward. He looks back, he looks at, and he looks forward. And so that's what I want us to do today. As we end our time here together tonight, I want you to look back and think about the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord throughout all of redemptive history of, throughout all of Scripture and see that there is more going on. And this is one of the, the things Bethel does so well and the Messianic movement does so well is you guys have these strong roots to your faith, these strong roots in the Jewishness of your faith and strong roots in the in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so I want you guys to see like the bigger picture, the bigger perspective. And what I have found in my life is when I take a second to kind of step back and assess what the Lord has done, it just moves me. And when I get kind of like narrow-minded on things or I get kind of stuck in like, oh man, my to-do list is is just out the door. My to-do list is a mile long. Like if I unrolled my to-do list, it's (laughs) like, oh boy, I got a lot to do. Or like things that are stressing me out personally or things that are centered on me. When I step back and I survey what the Lord has done, I look back, it should move all of us. And it should widen our perspective. And it is a testament to the faithfulness and the goodness of the Lord. And the beauty of the, the work of Yeshua and the sacrifice of Yeshua. And the incredible movements of the Holy Spirit amongst followers of Yeshua. And so we look back. But we also look at tonight. We look at ourselves. I look at you guys. I look, quite frankly, at me tonight. And I got to wonder. Ugh, I got to think about. uh. I got to think about ways where I need to uh, shoove. where I need to, just like the prophet said, turn or return. Just like Peter said to the 5,000, turn or return. What are the areas of my life? What are the areas of your life where you go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, like, uh, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, I tend to turn. Ooh, just like, you know, after the Sinai covenant, uh, the people kind of turned. Uh, just like all these kings, um, and I mean, all humanity, honestly turned. Uh, I need to return to the Lord, and w- we're going to end with a good word on that. So, what, what, in what areas of your life tonight do you need to shoot and return mentally, emotionally, constitutionally? Maybe you've been running after other things, which gets to my next thing. We talked about faith. Say faith, and name. Say name. Yeah. So. What what is our faith in? And I'm not talking about believing without seeing. But yeah. But like what are we what are we trusting in? What are we devoted to? What are we committed to? Where is our faithfulness? Where is that? And and so this is one of those things where like I could get like preachy and like give you suggestions, right? But like, you know, what are the things that you're committed to that are not in line with the way of yeshua that are not in line with how yeshua has called us to follow him what where are our allegiances like how would you rank those you know and some people i talk to who are followers of yeshua i'm like i feel like that might be like fourth fifth or sixth on your list like i'm not trying to be judgmental but i'm saying just based on like what you talk about like what you post what you say that i feel like it's further down the list like where where is our allegiance where's our faith lie and similarly, by what name do we live? What And again, not just like name as like a moniker to carry, but like, no, but like the person... The presence and the power. Like who, 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 whose name are you concerned with? Is it the name of Yeshua or not so much? And what I find is that people get caught up, I get caught up in the names of <laughs> job titles or like titles at the beginning of your name, uh, you know, doctor or whatever. and we, we pursue these things and those are about most importance or like, I don't know, the name of the neighborhood we live in or the name of the school we went to or the name of the sports team we root for, right, or, or whatever, the names, all these things, the name that's on our clothes, the name that's on our car. We, we get caught up with all these different names. Sometimes it's, it's even like a writer or a leader, and we're like, yes, sometimes, let's be honest, people get super-duper-duper-duper duper, duper into politics, and that, there's a name that they hold to, and they're like, this name will fix all things. We get caught up in names. What are the names that you're caught up on? Or, I have to check myself on this one. Is it the name, for me, is it the name of Charles Johnston? Is the name of Matt Johnston? Is it me? Is it my, the per, my person? You know, like my, my agenda. Me, like me, what people think of me, what I'm doing, my success, my happiness. Is that, is that the name I'm more concerned about? Or is it the name of Yeshua? And so I want us together, again, together to think about these. What do we need to shoot from and turn from? What are we putting our, our faith in? What name are we devoted to? What name are we invested in? What name are we living by? But know this. Just in case you're just like, man, three strikes, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing great on uh, any of those three you just said. Hmm, right? Well, that's where atonement comes in. And that's where forgiveness comes in. And you can't run too far that Yeshua cannot forgive. The Lord's arm is never too short to save. You can always be new in Yeshua, and no matter what you've done, no matter even if you're like seriously striked out, and I've, I've, I've been striking out in every area of my, of my life, you know what? That's why we get to come to Yeshua in repentance. We get to shove to Yeshua in repentance and know that because of his atonement and his sacrifice on the cross, we can stand forgiven. And that is really good news. It's good news for me. I don't know about you guys, but I need it. And so that's good news for me and you and everybody. And so. We've looked back, we've looked at ourselves, and let me encourage you to ever and always look forward, because I tell people this all the time, <laughs> there's a point to all of this, there's a purpose to all of this, there's a trajectory to all of this. Things are going somewhere. History is going somewhere. If you haven't seen that tonight and what the Lord has unfolded, I hope you see it in a fresh and new way. Things are going somewhere, and there is an eventual restoration of all Things. And actually, as followers of Yeshua, we are actively called into participation in restoration. We are actively called in to bring more of his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are invited to participate in that good work of Yeshua and bring in the love and kindness and forgiveness and the proclamation of Yeshua to all people, to every tribe, tongue, and nation looking forward to that day where the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdom of our God and we will reign with Him forever. So please my encouragement to you is don't lose sight. Don't just feel like you're kind of wandering in kind of this abyss of history and like where am I, what am I doing? Things are going somewhere purposefully. This is not all there is. And so take courage and take confidence and and take encouragement in that and so as we end here tonight i'd like to pray over you guys and then uh and then we'll sing together we come to you humbly lord and um we profess that you are the name over all names we look back tonight and we see your faithfulness and your goodness in redemptive history and in our lives Lord, we look at ourselves, and we actually, we just open up ourselves to to you to speak to us, to reveal to us ways in which we can more faithfully follow you, Yeshua. And we look forward. May we be, and and may we be excited as we look forward. May we be excited to participate in the restoration of this world and and, in that trajectory towards the new heavens and the new earth and towards the restored garden. And we profess and we proclaim our allegiance and our faith to no other name except you, Yeshua. We put our investment of our life in no other name except you, Yeshua. We trust in no other name but you, Yeshua. We realize that no other name has stood at the test of time. No other movement has, has brought more good into this world than the movement under your name, Yeshua. And so you are the name that saves You are the name that leads us. You are the name that inspires us. And so may we walk faithfully with you, Yeshua, in your name. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys.
1: Wow, what a wonderful word. What a wonderful word. Just bow your heads another moment or so. I want to ask if there's anybody who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you and you'd like to do that, just raise your hand. We'll have a simple prayer. Like uh, Pastor Matt said, it, it is the answer. It, is, it, is, it makes sense if, you, if, you, if you're looking back at this. It makes sense as what should be now and then what will be. If you're watching online, you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, say the simple, the simple words, say, Dear God, I accept Yeshua into my heart. Believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'll lift the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in the name of Yeshua. Oh, Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, give us us that fidelity to the name and, uh, and, and that deep understanding of the big picture perspective. Uh, to see God, what your plans are, Lord. Yes, for the world, but also for our individual lives. And uh, and if this is true in the world as a whole, it's a true in our lives as well. I thank you, God, for this. I thank you. Please bless Pastor Matt and Brooke and their family. God, thank you for them. They're such a blessing, and uh, and bless them and their and their body of believers that they serve in as well. North Metro. Lord, we thank you for all these things and we ask them, B'Shem Yeshu, in the name of our Messiah Yeshu, we pray, Amen and Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax deductible gift